episode of the William Branham Historical Research Podcast. I'm your host, John Collins, the author and founder of William Branham Historical Research at william-branham.org. And with me, I have my co-host, researcher, and friend, James Goad. And together, we're examining the very weird things that preachers say, the history behind what they say, and how it traces back through time through the Lateran Healing Revivals. James, I'm so excited about today's episode. This is one of my favorite <laughs> subjects. Um, it, it is fascinating to me. I, you know, I grew up in a, this world where education was strongly discouraged. And had I not, I probably would have ended up being a psychologist because <laughs> I, I find so much of my research isn't really focused on psychology, but if you don't understand f psychology, you really can't understand the research. And this topic that we're going to get into today, <laughs> I, I just now heard the clip that you <laughs> had given me. And, um, you know, the words come to mind. I can't say it on the podcast, but this guy's full of something that I won't say. <laughs> and <clears throat> I, I grew up under the same fear. This... It's interesting, and I won't go too too deep yet. We'll get into the clip, but it's interesting that the very thing that they speak out against is the strategy that they use, and it's you know it's really a sleight of hand technique that they're doing. But you know, like I say, this is a fascinating topic to me. I'm so excited to get into it, and um, you know, just explore what what they're doing to people's minds. Right. Um, so <laughs> the, the, the topic that we have is uh, subliminal messaging. Um, and uh, there's, there's some interesting things and that are said uh, in this particular clip. And uh, we definitely wanted to, uh, once we found out about it, we definitely wanted to dig into this a little further, see what was going on, and uh, try to figure out what the truth really was about what was said here. So um, yeah, let's take a look at this clip and then let's discuss because I'm really interested to get into this one. Religious, but there was a certain way it came. He said he was in the pulpit and it was a little flash and a flash and a flash. And he said that spirit was so strong. If he had not come, if the pillar of fire had not come, he said it would have knocked him out of the pulpit. He said a man was trying to hypnotize him. Now, 1957, we'll go back. We're talking about our generation now. 1957, they did a little experiment with the old reel-to-reel -reel movies, right? Every 50th frame goes by so fast you don't even see it. In a movie theater, they put a nice oh, Coca-Cola, man, nice cold, drippy thing, you know. Mm. One frame out of every 50. And within 15 to 20 minutes, everybody in the theater couldn't even see it. Everybody in the theater was getting up to go back and buy a Coke. I'm talking 1957. First time I ever noticed it. And I don't claim to have a gift, but God sometimes shows us things. It was back under a presidential election, probably 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was. I heard a commercial, I went, they're hypnotizing people with that. Yeah. On the radio! Yeah. There was a subliminal voice saying, vote for so-and-so. Uh -huh. Hmm. 
So what's the will of God? <laughs> there's there's so much I could say about this, James. Um, <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. You know, <clears throat> again, I grew up in the same world as the people who are sitting in the pews listening to this minister speak, and. As a child, it's an entirely different than as an adult. I think a lot of the adults who come into this type of religion, they really don't realize what they're doing to their kids. But as a child, when you're sitting there listening to a man who's telling you that there are people that can control your minds, I wasn't one of these people that wore tinfoil hats, but I wanted to be, man. <laughs> I heard this over and over and over again, how they could control your minds and... You know, we heard we heard sermons about how the government was using it against us. They were weaponizing television and movies. How the um, you know the film industry was working directly with Satan and all of this weird stuff. And on the other end of the spectrum, we would hear them talking about how Satan was embedded in the film industry. And if you watched a horror movie, the demons that you saw in that horror movie could actually come out of your television and grab you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's crazy because uh you know uh when when you when you dig in to what's being what he's talking about here he, he's using um the story uh that was perpetrated by a man named james vicari uh and he was a market researcher back in the 1950s and he purported to have done this experiment where he had dropped in the words to an unsuspecting group of moviegoers, like every 50th frame, the words, um, eat more popcorn and drink more Coca-Cola. Now, the claim was that a large percentage of the, of the moviegoers went and got refreshments, you know, and the, and the idea was that the, the campaign had, had forced them to, to actually go out and, and do that. Well, here's the problem. Um... He later had, uh, after everybody had gone out and was like, oh, this is great, this new, this new uh, subliminal advertising, everybody's trying to, to recreate it. Well, the problem is that he later has to recant and say that he just made it all up. <laughs> and it wasn't even real. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's so strange, man. I, you know, I grew up in this world, like I said, and I believed this nonsense. I really did. And I'm embarrassed to say it, but hey, I'm I'm out there. People can make fun of me if they want. <laughs> but after I left this, I started studying how the mind works because early in my research, I knew that they had done something to my head. I really didn't know what at that time. I had no idea that mind control was actually a real thing, like could be weaponized against people. And I had no idea that they had done this thing to my mind. And I, I was just curious what's happening to me, right? So I started studying. And one of the basics, if you talk to, like, even if you go to college and you take a, a psychology class, they'll recommend this book by Edward Bernays called Propaganda. And interestingly, I was on a flight for my business. I think it was to North Carolina. Um for a business meeting and I was sitting, I just happened to be sitting next to a psychologist and I was early out of the message and I started telling him, you know, what I was in at that time. I really didn't know the extent, but I knew something was wrong. <laughs> right. 
I explained it to him a bit, and he said, oh, you need to read Propaganda. And I said, what's that? And he said, oh, it's it's like Psychology 101. You read it. Well, it's written by Edward Bernays, who is Sigmund Freud's nephew. And Bernays, if you, he's a fascinating study in and of himself. He was named one of the top 100 most influential Americans in the 20th century. He's the father of public relations. And this book of propaganda was written for ministers like this who are abusing, <laughs> abusing psychology. It is explaining how mass psychology can be achieved, how they're doing it, what they're doing, why they're doing it. And it's really weird when you read it because when you read it, you realize that there is an element of truth to what this man is saying, but he himself, this minister who's, who said this stuff to, about the popcorn, he himself is using the same techniques that he's speaking against. In Sigmund Freud's uh, nephew's book, Propaganda, which I recommend everybody read this, if, if you, even if you weren't in a religion, you need to read this book, but it exposes the strategies and it breaks it down into simple terms where you understand and you're no longer afraid of it. And that's really the key. I'll read a quote from the book. He said, it is the purpose of this book to explain the structure of the mechanism which controls the public mind and to tell how it is manipulated by the special pleader who seeks to create public acceptance for a particular idea or commodity. It will attempt at the same time to find the due place in the modern demographic scheme for this new propaganda and to suggest its gradually evolving code of ethics and practice. So James, the premise of his book is basically to describe how mass psychology is achieved and he breaks it down into different audiences. You've got religious propaganda, politics, business, women's rights, education. You can even manipulate stock prices with this. And the, I guess the, the best way to say it, the underlying framework of this is herd psychology. In other words, humans by nature are creatures of a herd. They want to conform. They want to adopt. And that's, that's how groupthink works. But there are techniques which he gives in the book, and one of them you'll be familiar with, if you get a person alone by themselves with a something that you want them to believe, whether it's true or not, but get them alone and convince them before they get alone that everybody else believes this thing, right? And then don't tell them that it's true, but lead them to their own conclusions, which is exactly how a cult works. Here, take this recording of this quote-unquote prophet or this book and the the book is fascinating i won't i could i could cover the whole show on just the book but i'll let you read it you know if you if you want to read it it's a great book it's called propaganda by edward bernays yeah and something that's so fascinating when you start looking into some of this stuff is that just the idea of flashing some a couple of frames at you every so often and that it's going to completely rewire your brain and to, to such an extent that um, even to what this minister claimed, making people rush out of the movie theater to go get the refreshment. <laughs> um, it's just not how things work. Um, no. You know, what, what they found is that 
if it's like you know if you ever have seen an advertisement um if you see something on there like a juicy steak in an advertisement it's not going to have an effect on you unless you're already in a state of hunger then you might be like, well, I'm kind of hungry, but it's not enough to motivate you to get out of your seat. That's right. one of the things that they found about this sort of thing is that, is that they, you, they just can't force you to act. And so what you find is, is where you get into these things is more of a controlled environment. If, if you can create a sort of controlled environment where you can control the pressures upon a person and a lot of times to make something effectively stick, there's outside stimuli like... Um, even in, uh, you know, you look at stuff like MK Ultra and stuff where there's use of drugs and all these sorts of things to, to, to manipulate somebody on such a larger scale than just throwing a 50th frame in a movie screening. It, it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. And you know, of, of everything that I heard in that quote, the most powerful words are the, the word they, for instance, they did this. They achieved this. They went and bought popcorn. When you're in a group setting and you're in the herd mentality, you're in group think, and you hear the word they, you think, oh, these people are doing this. I wonder if that affects me. And it's, you know, <laughs> again, it's the same exact thing that he's condemning. He's actually using in this technique. They went and bought popcorn because they went and bought it. Oh my gosh, I can be manipulated too. It's the same type of psychology that he's using on on the crowd. And, you know, it's really weird because the underlying premise of this statement, you know, they're trying to build fear against television and movies because in this particular minister's version of religion, television and movies are condemned, outlawed, discouraged, whatever. They want you to believe that if you go watch these things, be in fear because they're going to wreak havoc with your brain. Yet the man is standing there wreaking havoc with their brain. <laughs> it's just so odd. Yeah, it, it, it it's amazing because I, I can remember in my time in these groups when there, there was all this, this stress put on... Um, what the outside world was going to do to your brain if, if you know, your mind, if you wandered outside of the pearly gates of, of the group. And, you know, it's like, you know, here there be dragons, you know, don't don't go out there, you're unprotected, you know, the, the world will have its way with you. And it's such a, it, it's such a bad way to look at things because if you think about it, <clears throat> in these groups, they, they're, they're telling you that what they're giving you is so much more powerful than what anybody else in the world has, and that it's going to protect you and all these things. But then if you go to a movie theater, and you encounter this 50th frame of a of a subliminal advertisement, it's going to completely re rewire your brain and make you go purchase something <laughs> that you didn't think that you could purchase. So it's like, is this thing more powerful than what everybody else has? Or are we just as susceptible to everybody else? It, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> yeah, I'm a businessman. If if that power existed, you can be assured I would be I would create a product, <laughs> a product that's <laughs> worthless and try to sell it. You know, here, slip this frame in this movie for me and I'll pay you one hundred thousand dollars. It just doesn't work like this. And more to the point, what this man is trying to do, he is manipulating through fear. He's trying to make the people afraid that they might slip in this one frame. I, you've probably seen it. I've seen it too. These 
they've got these memes where Disney is slipping in this one frame, and that one frame that you didn't even notice has some, I, I don't know, they, they have all these agendas of demons or homosexuality or whatever it is, and they actually convince real people that if that one frame just happens to be in the movie, even if you didn't see the frame, you are being manipulated. And it's the same technique this minister is using. It's a fear that something can control you without your knowledge, while at the same time it is controlling you without your knowledge. It's using the same psychology techniques. And it's very powerful. These men who do this, and women, they do not want you to know how it works. They do not, <laughs> If you understand how it works, they have lost their power to do it over you. And that's really the irony of all of this. One of the most interesting studies for me is just televangelism in general. Because once they realize the power of the media for achieving mass psychology, no longer were they confined, these evangelists confined to tents or auditoriums with, say, 10,000 people. Now they can put it on the radio, they can put it on television, and they can use the same exact techniques to mass hypnotize, <laughs> is, you know, to one extreme, it could be hypnotism, but basically to achieve mass psychology over large audiences. And it was because of this that televangelism was birthed. Right. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, and, and like you said, you know, studying psychology, understanding what's going on um, in some of these situations is, is very, it's, it's very, it can help clue you in a lot to what's going on. Um, it's something that... Um, You'll you'll hear you'll hear some of these people. They'll condemn psychology over over the pulpit. They'll say that this is the devil's work, and that uh, that's where the devil's going to entrap you. And um, I remember hearing a minister, uh, and I, I forget how long ago it was, but I, I remember this clearly. It was like reason is the devil's playground. I believe is how he <laughs> phrased it, and. You know, I was young, impressionable. I may have been in my early teens. You know, I don't know. I was young. And I just remember hearing that. And, and I was so um, um, confused. But at the same time, I didn't know really what reason was. I didn't really know the purpose of reason. But the older you get and the more you examine a statement like that, you're like, that is just complete lunacy. How are you <laughs> going to make it through life if you can't reason things out? But... In some situations, you know, some of these groups would rather you rely on the preacher's understanding or the central figure's understanding. Don't reason for yourself. If you have a question, just rely on what I'm saying because the Lord is using me to speak to you and help guide you. So if you don't quite understand it, don't reason for yourself. Let me sort of guide you in the way that it's framed. You know, it's, it's not, not quite framed that way, but that's kind of where they're getting to. But, you know, but yeah. Yeah. It's especially prevalent in the cult mentality. Whenever you have a central figure who's wanting to manipulate the minds of his people to rise above them in power, they do things like this. They use the same tech, the same propaganda techniques. One of them will say things like, I never said I was a prophet. You said I was a prophet. And what they're doing is, 
the person who's sitting there in the pew and listening to them say this, they're thinking, well, wait a minute. I never said that. I never said this guy was a prophet. I wonder who did. And they start looking around, and then they see everybody nodding like this, and they think, oh, all of these people think he is. Well, wonder why I don't yet. And then they, they, start, <laughs> <laughs> they start conforming to it because why not? There's no critical thought. There's no reason to think that he's not if everybody else is thinking that he is. And that's the power of mass persuasion. These guys manipulate the minds by throwing in little subtle hints that somebody else thinks something. And it's just like the popcorn. <laughs> they saw the frame and they went out and bought it. You too might go out and buy it. And everybody's sitting in the audience thinking, oh, wow, I hope I don't see that frame because I don't want to buy popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's something that I, I'm, I remember happening quite a lot as I was coming up um, in the message was that you'd, uh, you know, um, there was all this lore that came packaged with it that predated me and you know i'm sitting there in services trying to be um trying to be open trying to be discerning and, and trying to just listen and be and just be in, intent to what i'm hearing and then you hear the minister say something like they'll, they'll, they'll mention something like um uh this wonderful thing or this miraculous thing that happened and then they'll like mention it by name and then they'll go Oh, well, you know, we all, we all know about this or we all know about that. And then as a young person, you're sitting there going, well, I don't even know what this is. But then everyone else is nodding and, and going along. And you're like, okay, well, I guess everyone else is, seems like they're cool with this. So yeah, I believe it too. Yeah, sure. You know, and you're, you're just going along with everybody else. And then you start to look into some of these things. And when, when you start coming away and, and you start reading all the history and stuff and you're like, I think I begin to understand why they don't always go into this stuff because it's a whole lot harder to defend when you have to explain it. But if you just persuade everybody to believe that everybody agrees, then you've got the buy-in already. Yeah. One of the most powerful evidences of that we see, I, I'm sure you've seen it too, but whenever we post a video that's highly critical, that there is no explanation why, <laughs> why this absurd thing has happened and why they've covered it up, you'll find somebody who posts, but, and William Branham is the example. William Branham said these things years ago before you were even born, and hundreds of ministers rose up against him. They couldn't even stop it. How can you today rise up against him? And it's, that's the same manipulation techniques that you're describing. We were told that hundreds of ministers rose up against this, and not just William Branham. We were told that the Latter Rain movement in general would had risen up, and it was the Latter Rain to Pentecostalism's former reign, and it was a movement by God, and nobody could suppress it. Well, they left out the part where the Assemblies of God started sanctioning anybody who was working with <laughs> William Branham, the leader of the Latter Rain Revivalists. It's just so absurd. Uh, in our podcast that Charles and I are doing, we discovered, you know, through the course of research that that exact instance that they're referring to, there's some history behind it that if they were to include that history, people would run screaming. It was, they don't tell you that when all these ministers rose up against William Branham, he was working with Jim Jones. And the reason that they were rising up is because 
William Branham was introducing the Christian identity white supremacy doctrine, and everybody rose up and said, no, this <laughs> white supremacy is evil. Don't do this. <laughs> That's what they're yeah. rising up for. And they actually won. It wasn't William Branham that won. But years later, after all of this is said and done, after that history has been whitewashed, they tell the listeners that all of these men rose up against William Branham, and he stood in the face of them and succeeded in, in spreading his message. They don't tell you that he actually lost that battle. <laughs> <laughs> but that would go against message canon, John. You can't have the hero being defeated by these forces of Satan, can you? No. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, you mentioned MK Ultra, and that, of all of the fascinating things that we could get into, <laughs> that's a rabbit trail that would, an entire podcast might spin off of that one. But I came and I came across that by accident whenever I watched the worst movie ever made called Men Who Stare at Goats. <laughs> <laughs> it had all of these famous actors, I mean, great actors. And I thought, what's this? I looked at the cast and, oh my gosh, everybody's in it that I like. And I watched the movie waiting for it to get good. And by the end of it, I'm like, the whole premise of this thing, man, men who are actually taking the heads of goats and staring at them, trying to manipulate their minds. This is ridiculous. And it wasn't until probably, I want to say five years later, that I learned that this was actually a thing. The <laughs> <laughs> United States government realized the power of mind control after Hitler basically brainwashed a nation to hate the Jews. And that propaganda started spreading into the United States, which... You know, it's mentioned through the works of Edward Bernays that I mentioned earlier. They realized that this was a problem, and they tried to weaponize various techniques of mind control. They actually started working with some of these religious leaders before Paul Cain died. And he actually mentioned this to me on the phone when I talked to him. Paul Cain was involved in this, and he called it, he was in the CIA uh, supernatural division is how he called it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was basically MK Ultra, and the government was trying to learn how that these ministers in this movement were controlling the minds of the people. That's how effective this thing is. Right, you know, and it sounds it sounds like such science fiction, you know, but and, and you know, because we we encounter the way we normally encounter stuff like MK Ultra in you know in today's world is is we see the it in popular uh, culture through like media. Uh, I think one of the most uh, recent uh, depictions of it is through the uh, uh, Netflix show Stranger Things. Um, the whole I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, the there's this whole plot uh where they're creating pretty much superhumans through uh a sort of spin-off of an mk ultra sort of uh division um and and it really goes and and it it really kind of really stretches the reality aspect of it to like the the craziest degree um but at at the core there there are some really dark and sinister things that do that did happen in reality with some of these programs to by people trying to figure out, like you said, what they could do and what could happen. Um, and so it, it, it is, it is kind of, you look at this and, and, and you see, 
ministers using tactics of mind control on unsuspecting groups of people. And it, it really makes you, one, you want to understand more what's going on, and two, to wonder, is this safe? What, what's, what, what, what are the people I know and care about? What are they being subjected to? Um, and especially, be, you know, against their, their will. Because if half these people knew, were, were able to even decipher what was going on in the sermon, they would, they would run <laughs> from that. They, they would run from there faster than they were trying to go get some more popcorn. <laughs> yeah. It's just so unreal. And like I said earlier, once you understand what it is, how it works, why it's used, and how it's used, it takes the element of fear away. And when you take the element of fear away, it's like the emperor with no clothes, right? The guy on the platform, (laughs) once you see that he's using the same exact techniques that he's condemning, he's the emperor with no clothes, and, and there is no fear. You're sitting there thinking, Okay, well, he's doing this to me, and he's telling me <laughs> that I, sh- I should be afraid of it. Well, I'm not afraid, man. It's, <laughs> it's just so weird because it, it can be a good thing. You know, again, read the book Propaganda, but education. They've got these educational programs, some of which they play in school, where they're using many of these same techniques for learning and learning good things. You know, I know there's this big debate on in the religious communities over education or homosexuality and gender. Take all of that away and just think mathematics, arithmetic, letters. Think, look back to Sesame Street, how they put the big block of the le- today is brought to you by the number five. <laughs> <laughs> at its at its simplest form, that is one of these techniques. They're showing you the five, and they're getting the children to remember the five. Whenever the child hears five out in the real world, they think, oh, that's that block that I saw. It looks like this. It's really the same technique in Sesame Street. And you can find marketing strategies that are based on this. Like the man said, with popcorn, it's not a bad thing. Watch the Super Bowl, and you're going to see some funny (laughs) commercial that you're going to, the next day, you're going to be laughing at, and you're going to be thinking, oh, that's incredibly funny. I've never tried that, I don't know, pretzel, whatever it is. I think I'll try the pretzel. It's not a bad thing that you tried the pretzel. It's actually not a bad thing that you bought the popcorn. But what the minister is doing is so unethical because they're trying to take something that is widely used in every arena, even in religion. Like I said, this man is doing this to his people. Every business Every, every form of life uses some form of this. But what he's trying to do is make you be afraid of it. And in doing so, because it's so widely used, when you pick up that it's, it's happening, you start to be afraid of everything. Right. And the fear is, is the thing that has stuck out to me the most as I've sort of deprogrammed from these things. Because the fear will keeps you from thinking rationally and when you're not able to think rationally um you can't parse this stuff properly um and so yeah you you look at these things and 
you you think, well, I can't go to the movies because they might they might uh, you know reprogram my mind while I'm there, and and all the while, if you're in a group that is using these things on you, it's happening to you already. You're just being you're just being refocused to think it's in the outside world. It's not happening here. Here's the safe place. You know, we we wouldn't do that to to each other. Um, so yeah, that fear is one of the one of the things that breaking free of that. It's it's almost like the scene from The Wizard of Oz where you've got when they finally figure out the man behind the curtain and it's just all like, oh, you know, don't worry about the man behind the curtain. And, and you <laughs> see this fraud going on. And, yeah. you know, once you wipe that fear away of this mystical thing that's going on, you really get to see it for what it is. And it, it, it completely undermines everything that it's trying to uphold in your mind. Yeah. And the irony you know, I mentioned televangelism earlier. What's interesting is this doctrine of <laughs> manipulating your minds through popcorn. This thing originated, ironically, with the British Israelism movement in the United States, which is the foundation that was laid for white supremacy to rise through Christian identity. Serpent seed doctrine originated because of this. And... The notion was that the 12 tribes of Israel, the lost 12 tribes of Israel, were actually the white people, people with white skin in the British Isles, and the Jews that we see today are the bad guys. And they've taken over the government, they've taken over Hollywood, they've taken over the movie industry, all of this stuff, right? So in the early years before televangelism was birthed, they believe, uh, many of these men, not all, but many of them believe that these people were quote-unquote communists and the commies had taken over and they were manipulating minds through film and later when, tele you know, when television came, it's the, the television, the box, the evil set. So they're preaching against television. They're preaching against films. And then once they learned the power of this thing, they started using these techniques for themselves and televangelism was birthed. And believe it or not, it was birthed from many of the same men who were earlier condemning it as communists. I think if you go look at the history of televangelism, I think they list Rex Humbard as the father of it. But go back during that era, you're going to find Oral Roberts. His broadcast in 1957 reached 80% of the possible television audience. That's how widespread this was. A.A. A. Allen, you know, he was, he either came before Oral Roberts or shortly after. The two men were, were basically using television as their means of spreading this propaganda through medium. And, you know, it could have been used for good. I'm not, I didn't watch any of that, so I'm not saying that they're manipulating heads, but to some extent they're using in the later versions of televangelism, they're using the same propaganda techniques and they're saying, you too, if you, if you give money to us, you too will get money. And they're using these propaganda techniques. So the very platform that they condemned, <laughs> the very reason why this guy is telling you that your mind will be manipulated to buy popcorn was created by the movement that he's a part of, which is so ironic. I know, and it's so fascinating because I remember... 
I remember growing up and hearing about, you know, they talk about the Benny Hens and, the, you know, all these other guys. And, and they, they talk about them in such a derogatory way. And they say that they are the imposters. And Brandon was the original. Brandon was the original, the, the, the one that had it right. And, and everybody else came after him was just imposters. And then you go and dig through all the history and you find that these guys were running together. These guys were promoting each other, including William Branham. And it's, it's not, it, it's, it's complete. It's a completely different picture than I was raised to believe, um, which has been so fascinating to learn and dig into, um, you know, beyond the scope of, of what's actually going on and what's being said. That alone had, had was something that, that just really blew my mind that when I encountered it for the first time, because I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was always told that these guys were imposters and they're yeah. out just they're, and they're and they were buds <laughs> for the most of them. Yeah. You know, it's so weird because I, I'm the same way. They they made fun of these people and I grew up thinking that those were the evil guys and I had no idea that they were so deeply connected. <clears throat> and honestly, had William Branham not died, he would have been part of this because everybody he was working with became part of this. His sponsors were part of this. And even, you know, they've got the film 20th Century Prophet and Deep Call to the Deep. This was the early stages of the formation of what would become televangelism. And he's doing the same thing. So while they're condemning <laughs> Benny Hinn for slinging his jacket and, you know, this televangelistic thing, well, William Branham is being promoted and they're giving you these videos and they're selling them to you of him using his own form of televangelism, which, again, had he not died, he would have been a big part of. And, you know, it's so weird because whenever people are are in front of this type of audience with all of this hype in an auditorium, when Benny Hinn swings his coat, they're in this state of euphoria which is brought on by the psychology. And when he swings the coat, you've probably seen the videos where people just fall over backwards. Well, it's because of the, the psychological techniques that he's using. And this is, this is proven fact. This is not even somebody who's just against Benny Hinn that's saying this. This is a very common thing. Well, take that to a much larger scale with televangelism. It's a different technique they use because you don't have the same in the arena type of mass psychology, but they're using a different form for televangelism to manipulate people to send in their money. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's so weird, man. It's so funny how this always comes down to money. Um, even in uh, even in in some of the churches that I, I I grew up around, you could always tell when the ties weren't coming in as strongly <laughs> as they should because the old Ananias and Sapphira sermon was right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, I never will forget when we left the cult. We started trying new churches, and one of the churches that we tried was one of these great big massive buildings and I, I to this day i call it six flags over jesus it, it was a huge <laughs> thing and they had multiple campuses and you go in the the one that i went to they actually had a i think it was a hologram of the preacher it was really weird but the preacher i will say that the very the first you know maybe 10 sermons that we heard were really good he was preaching grace and he was preaching history and he was talking about how we're in a new covenant and described perfectly how 
the old covenant, why it failed, how Jesus had to come die on the cross. And he's giving this broad history that we never heard in the cult that I grew up in. And ironically, it's just the Bible. That's all he was, you know, it's in the Bible. If you go read it and I'm not saying he, but specifically, but many of them don't even understand what's in the book. They just parrot whatever is said by the cult leader. Well, what was odd to me is they also fell into this condition where they they needed money. They were building a new campus. And so we heard all of these sermons, how the old covenant has passed away and how, you know, today's world is, there is no old covenant tithing system. There is cheerful giving. When you see somebody that is in need and we can help you with this, you know, some family who needs food, give, and that's a good thing. I can be fully on board with this, right? But when this place needed money, (laughs) I'll never forget, I was sitting there, the minister comes out on the platform and he says, now today we're going to bring up a subject that's going to make a lot of people a little bit uncomfortable, but we have to do it. Today we're going to talk about tithe. And totally reversed (laughs) the past 10 (laughs) sermons that I heard, brought back the old covenant, everybody's under whips and chains of bondage (laughs) of the old covenant, and give me your money. And... That was right. the last sermon that I heard there. I left, and who knows what happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's really hard to build a megachurch empire without the steady stream of ties from uh, from uh, all your unsuspecting uh, members. It really is. Yeah, one of the most interesting things that I came across years ago, and I actually <laughs> I put the video of this on my website. There's this guy named Darren Brown, who it's a different form of psychology that he's using, but he <laughs> he it was an atheist who wanted to show people how getting in the the hype of the groupthink and the mass psychology could actually create a religious atmosphere in which people would have faith on something that did not exist and the premise of it in the scope of christianity I understand there will be Christians who are very troubled by this fact, but I'm talking about specifically with faith healing, which is what he was exposing properly. <laughs> um, there's this there's this thing where people are in a group and they see other people who are claiming to be healed, which is the same thing as this minister with a the popcorn. These other people are buying popcorn. You too might be you know, susceptible to this <laughs> this still frame in the video, right? Well, Darren Brown sets up this whole elaborate scheme where he's coming into town as a faith healer, and people are in the audience, and they witness other people. Some of them, I believe, were even planted by him. I, I'd have to go back and look, but they witness other people claiming to be healed of various things. Well, people who had actual diseases and afflictions were actually getting better. And they, the news media inter- interviewed them, and Darren Brown interviewed them. And these people claimed to have been healed by this faith healer who they thought was a Christian. And this guy was just producing a documentary. He was an atheist producing a documentary. And he was correctly showing how these people were, were having faith in something that didn't exist. And because of this, they were believing that they were being healed. And for me, you have to separated into a few categories, right? On the one hand, 
God can heal. And these people came with faith in God. So some of them were healed. But there was a whole subcategory of people, which he, you know, he went through in the documentary, who were claiming to have been healed, who weren't, who believed that they were healed and weren't, who would have gone to their grave saying, that man helped heal me. <laughs> and he didn't. <laughs> That was been that was one of the most fascinating uh, clips that I've come across in, in researching, because um, you, what you find is is that a lot of the things that that we've sort of gone through and looked at the the, the problems in Branham's own um, faith healing ministry, um, you know, you see that a lot of these things are happening across all these other ministries as well. Um, you know, and, and one of my favorite ones is the character that character. Um, uh, W.V. Grant, um, where there, there's that famous example where, where he takes, he goes to the man in the audience and he hand, he, he, he takes the cane and he, that's beside him. And he says, you know, you no longer need this cane. You're healed. Get up and walk and leave. And the man gets up in front of the whole audience and gets, gets out, goes out and leaves. And then the, people that are there that are catching this go out and interview the man afterwards and say so were you healed what's going on he said no that wasn't even my cane he said that was the lady beside me and they says well why did you get up he said well he told me to and so i just got up and left and you know that's something that you know you have all these people that say oh well all these people said such and such happened or this or that and there's you have to have room for situations like that where um you know, people are just caught up in the moment or caught up in the group think like we were talking about earlier. And they act in ways that they normally wouldn't in their right mind because you get out in front of people and there's always this pressure to act or he's saying this and, but I'm here for the healing anyways. And so I don't want to, I don't want to hinder God. Maybe this is how God's going to do it. Maybe my act of faith is going to show God how sincere I am and then God will heal me, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it's, it is kind of funny when you see someone like Darren Brown go and look at the different tricks that some of these people use um, and then sort of show how people react to it and then go and show them what's really going on here in the situation that it in the moment it looked like this, but what I really was doing was this. And it, yeah, it's, it's very eye opening and, and I, I, it's definitely something that's, that's definitely a good watch. I definitely recommend it. Yeah. It, it's interesting. <clears throat> there are people in our support groups who grew up in, actually went to the church that I, you know, my grandfather's church in Jeffersonville, and they witnessed people who were standing in the lines waiting to be healed, and some of them were elderly, and the, the ushers would come up and they would give you a wheelchair. They apparently had wheelchairs just sitting there for people. And here, sit down, take this load off your feet while we're waiting and we'll push you up. Well, to the person who sits, they're thinking nothing of it. Oh, thank you. I have a place to sit now. I've been standing and my legs are tired. But then whenever they get up to the platform and they rise up out of the wheelchair, every single person sitting in that audience is being manipulated by the same technique because they have a visual aid of somebody who's suddenly being healed. And then they get in this hysteria, this hype that people are rising up out of the wheelchairs, right? Yeah. And, and like, and like you said, this, the, the seeing the people rise up out of the wheelchair and there's so much stuff going on in these meetings and you can't quite keep track of everything. You see someone get out of a wheelchair, everybody gasps and oohs and ahs, and it creates this uh, sensation and uh, kind of 
takes a hold of your 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 normal reasoning factors and you start to believe because everybody else seems to believe in getting in this sort of sort of a panic almost over everything that's going on and it makes it feel more real in the moment um but yeah it's uh <laughs> it's definitely uh some of these things are just you, you look at them and you know it, it seems so silly when you look at it now yeah and more to the point when you look at it with information and you understand how it works and why they're doing it to the many of the ministers who are doing this thing even though it is highly unethical they believe that they're manipulating minds for a good purpose this person who's Healing has been faked. Now these other people who really have something wrong with them, they can feel better. That's how they do this in their minds. I think that's how they justify the unethical practices that they do. But on the flip side, they don't realize that this whole framework of fear that they've introduced by doing something unethical, even though it is you know, it's a tool that they're using that they think is good. It wreaks havoc on the minds, especially of the children. And that's really, for me, that's where I get a little bit angry. The minister who's talking about the popcorn, again, it's not a bad thing. If you want to sell popcorn <laughs> and this actually worked, which I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> it does not work. <laughs> but if you want to sell popcorn and you throw a slide in, Hey, that's fine. You know, do what you want to do what you want to do. Go buy some popcorn. <laughs> but to use it in such a way that you're making people afraid of being manipulated without their knowledge and manipulating them without their knowledge. For me, that's really the problem because this man is doing that. And I, I grew up in this world, right? I know how it works. I grew up in the cult elite. I know, I've seen the manipulation of minds. I know how it works. And it's so unethical. Once, once I was able to get away from this and understand that, hey, this is wrong. What we're doing to people's minds is wrong. I started realizing that just simply educating people into how it works, whether you say it's right or wrong, just the education of it takes away the element of fear. Once you understand how these things can manipulate your mind, you're not afraid of it because in some cases you may want your mind to be manipulated. You may want to go buy the popcorn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not a bad thing. But taking away the fear for me is just the most critical part of all of this. And that's why we have our show, James. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we so. do. So we've uh, we've asked in the previous episode, and we've actually got quite a few good questions coming in. But if you have questions that you want to be brought up on the show, send them in to us. You can go to william-branham.org and um, you know click on the contact and just send it to us there. Um, or in, you know even in the comment feeds of the video, if you have some questions you want to address, just post them in there, and we'll bring them up and. This is, James, this is turning into something that's incredibly fun for me. I don't know about you, but. <laughs> oh, I'm having a blast. <laughs> going through the, the, the history behind some of this weird things. Like, I never really processed it even myself. I knew that some of these things were just ridiculous. But until I go back and I say, okay, that's where that came from and study the history behind it, I'm starting to realize that, A, it's incredibly fun to figure it out, but B, it's incredibly fascinating to know that 
this weird thing that existed in our history resulted in this weird statement that was made by a minister. Right. And, you know, comedy has a very... Comedy can really be a way of dealing with uh, traumatic situations. It really has a way of doing that. And uh, just the fact that we can get on here and, you know, go through some of these things and have a lighthearted tone and just you know, not make fun of people, but make fun of the situation and what's going on and be like, this is ridiculous. And this is not a boogeyman. This is just silly. This is this is slapstick comedy, if, if you will. Um, you know, and, and I think that can be helpful. Um, maybe not in all situations, but, but in, for, for some, and, uh, it's, uh, yeah, like I said, for me, this has been fun. Um, you know, I'm, I hope people enjoy it. And, uh, I, I, I'm very curious to see where we go with this in the future. Cause we've got a lot of fun things that we can dive into. We're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. You're just not <laughs> laughing as you preach it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If you've enjoyed our show and you want more information, you can check us out on the web. You can find us at william-branham.org. And for an overview of the historical research of William Branham and the healing revivals, read Preacher Behind the White Hoods, a critical examination of William Branham and his message, available on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. <laughs> <laughs>